This is Truth and Love Ministries, where we bring people home to God by learning His truth and experiencing His unending love. In today's message, Pastor Nun teaches us that in order to live in victory, we must face the truth about ourselves and learn the truth about Jesus. We pray this message refreshes you and speaks encouragement to whatever is going on in your life right now. Now for the message. Get to know Jesus. He wants you to be saved. Because the title of my message, we've been going through meeting Jesus. And today is the last of it. And the title of it is, He wants you to be saved. He wants you to be saved. So, when you see it, don't automatically think, well, I'm already saved and then change the channel. Because, let me tell you something. You may be saved, but we are being saved and we will be saved. Your eternal salvation may be sure, but are you really saved? That's the real question. You're saved that you're not going to go to hell. But are you really saved? See, Jesus saves us so that he can save us and so he can save us. And I want you to think about scripture. I want you to think about, about the Bible and all the scriptures that, that where Jesus encountered people. I want you to think about when they had went a three days journey and, 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 and Jesus said, we need to feed these people before we let them go back. And he said, all we got is a little lad lunch and, and, and a couple of fish. He said, what is, what is that among so many? And he said, we don't have enough money to go into town and buy nothing. So what did they need to be saved from? Hunger. And then the woman that was at the well, she was... She was there and she, you know, he, Jesus told her about her husband and you, the one you have is not yours and you had five. And, and then she said, our fathers told us that we're supposed to worship in this mountain, but the Jews say Jerusalem is the place where we ought to worship. Jesus said, neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem are you to worship. He said, because the father is seeking those to worship him, to worship him in spirit and in truth. That's what he's seeking. That's what he's looking for. So what, was she, what did she need to be saved from? Religion. Religion. When the disciples were out on the boat, and they were, they, Jesus said, let us go to the other side. And while they were on their way to the other side, Jesus went down to the bottom of the boat, and he went to sleep. And the boat started to be filled with water, and they went and woke Jesus and said, Master, do you not care for us? And Jesus said, oh, ye of little faith. What did they need to be saved from? Fear. The woman with the issue of blood, she looked and had been to all the physicians, had spent all of her living and was none better. So she said within herself, if I can just make it to Jesus and touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole, what was she needing to be saved from? Sickness and death. And when Peter was in the boat and he saw Jesus coming to him on the water and he said, Lord, if that be you, bid me to come. 
And then when Peter started to walk on the water, the Bible said the wind began to be boisterous. And Peter being a fisherman and being raised on the water and seeing water and storms, he got captivated by it and began to sink. And he cried out and said, what? Lord, save me. And they walked together again to the water. What did he need to be saved from? He didn't, need to, he didn't want to drown. So what I'm trying to get you to see is, you may be saved, but you still need to be saved. Because I tell people all the time, we were raised before we were saved, and therefore, all of us are messed up. We've been taught stuff, told stuff, seen stuff. Stuff has happened to us. And we are all messed up because of all of that. And Jesus needs to fix it because, you know, this, that, that last, let's see, was it the last song? I can't remember which song it was. But, but they, were, she, they were saying, you know, so that they can see more of you. Jesus' goal is to save us. And, and, and when I say save us, save us from those little things. There are some fears that you may be dealing with. There are some habits that you may have. There may be some anger in you, resentment. There may be some hurt, some pain, some rejection, some, some neglect, some abuse. And you need to be saved from it. There are some curses in our families. Some of them physical, health that we need to be saved from. Some of them habits. Some of them alcohol and different things and that we deal with that came through our family line that we need to be saved from. I'm not saying that you're not saved because you do these things, but I'm saying you need to be saved from the things that you do. And so when you see the title he wants you to be saved. Don't just shut down because you think that you're already saved. And I believe that's the, one of the main problems with most Christians is the fact that they think when they get saved that the work is, is over. It's already done. I'm done. I'm finished. It is. It's a, it's a, it's a lifelong Process. Jesus will be working on you until the day he comes to get you. And so when we look at some of these things, why Jesus, what he said to these people when he said, I, I want you to be saved. I want you to look at what he said they needed or was lacking that caused them not to be saved because the same thing is lacking in us. Okay. So. John 5, 34, he said, I say these things so that you may be saved. So the question is, we got to get to the things. What did, what did he say? What was he saying? So back to the, to the, to the conversation. But this, this is a conversation, the end of it, between Jesus and his enemies. And all of, it, all of this is provoked because of the message last week when the man was by the pool of Bethesda. And Jesus healed him on the Sabbath day. And so they were angry with Jesus because he did a good thing on the wrong day. 
In other words, a man is laying at a pool, been there 38 years, and Jesus decided to heal him on the wrong day. I don't have no problem with what you did, but you just didn't do it on the right day. Should have been done Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, possibly Saturday, but not on Sunday. So that's the problem that they had with him. And, 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 and this is why these are the people that the Jews, John 5, 18, or did I go too far? No, okay, we're good. John 5, 18, this was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was calling, even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Now, if you want to make somebody mad with you, tell them how close you are to God. You'll be amazed at how mad folks will get with you when they realize you're closer than they are. So, Jesus is dealing with an angry crowd of hostile people. He's in a hostile environment. The people are offended by what he said, and they have no use for him. They want to get rid of him. But look at what Jesus started talking about when he started talking to the people that wanted to get rid of him. This is what he said. We covered this scripture last week. When he said, truly, truly. Now, he's talking to people that hate him and want to get rid of him. He said, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment but has passed from death to life. This is what Jesus said to his enemies. He's talking about, he's talking to the people that hate him about what? Eternal life. And you know what? I feel like that he could have been talking to, in America, today. He could have been talking to all of us because truthfully, we hated him before we accepted him. We didn't, we didn't love him at first. We hated him before we accepted him. So when Jesus is talking this way to his enemies, he truly could be talking to us. Okay? So... Every word Jesus speaks here is so that people who hate him may have eternal life. Man. Can't nobody do that but God. Ain't nobody but God. So what, is, what does he say so that they may have eternal life? Okay. So two things. First, Jesus tells them about himself. He talks about him. Now, when he talks about himself, they got mad with him. Because he was telling them, he was telling them, uh, come on. He, th these are some of the things that he said in John chapter 5. He said, I'm one with the Father. In other words, he said, they say they mad with him because he's making himself equal with God. Then they got mad with him. He said, the work that I do is not I that do the work, but it's the Father that worketh in me. Then he said, I and the Father want. What the Father wants, that's what I want. And he said, the father loves me and I love the father. So they want in love. And then he said, he talked about the authority that they had. All authority has been granted to the son. And it came from the father. So they were one in authority. They had trust and honor. He said, he that honors me honors the father. One in life. He said, I, the father has life and so has he given to the son. And the son can give the life to whoever he pleases. So these are the things that they were angry with Jesus about. 
that they didn't that they hated about it. So first they need to know the truth about Jesus, and second, here's where it get ugly. They need to know the truth about themselves. Now, everybody in this room know that when you ask somebody a question, how do I look? Now, truth of the matter now, what am I looking for? I'm looking for you to tell me that this suit looks good on me. Now, if you start your sentence off with, well, I'm already getting warm, I'm telling you. I'm already starting to get upset because you're not starting it right. Well, if you had wore a gray shirt under it, it might look a little better. I'm going to walk off. I'm going to say, well, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to play the role. Thank you. I'm going to think about that next time. And I'm going to think about it when I walk off and say, they think they talking to Black shirt look good under this thing. I don't know what they're talking about. Because we are prone to want people to tell us to flatter us. I have people at work ask me questions. You know, later, later had, had a house, and I, you know, I don't know no better. I know, I know better, but this is who I am. I said, what happened? She said, I said, did you go in the paint store and it blew up or what? I mean, she had five, six different colors in her house. She said, she said, do you like it? I said, let's talk about something else. <laughs> said, it really don't matter whether I like it or not. It's just matter whether you like it. If you happy, then that's all that matters. But people want you to tell them, they want you to tell them, it look good. I like that. And people will flatter you and tell you what you want to hear. But let me tell you something. Jesus is not a flatterer. When Jesus tells the crowd of people who wanted to kill him about themselves and it wasn't pretty, these people got mad. Now, John had already told us that Jesus was full of grace and truth. The truth is in what he says, and the grace is in why he said it. So let's look at what Jesus said again. John 5, 34. I say these things so that you, what? Might be saved. What did he say? So when Jesus says the hardest things, listen at this. When he says the hardest things to you, it is because he seeks the best things for you. When somebody's telling you hard stuff, they got your best interest at heart. They got your best interest at heart. If you find people that always flatter you, be, be leery. They, they really don't care about you. So the desire of Jesus, even for people who hated him, is that they should be saved. And all that he says is spoken for that reason, for that purpose. So everything he's going to say from here on is for that reason now. So whenever you find something in the Bible that offends you, that make you mad, or you try to avoid, you know, certain scripture we just refuse to read because they do what? They tell us about ourselves. You know, certain, certain chapters of the Bible we don't even want to go to. Certain commands I don't even want to hear 
because I know I'm breaking them. But they are there so that you can be saved. So, but before we get into what Jesus says, I want to point this out about John the Baptist. There were some things said about John the Baptist that, that's critical that we hear and that we notice. In John 5.35, it says this, he was a burning and shining lamp. And listen now. And he said, you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. When John came, they were excited because John came proclaiming Jesus. He said, God is coming. God is coming. God is coming. He said, prepare you the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. Repent. That's what he was telling them. He said, he, said, he was saying, repent, repent, repent. Confess your sins. He was pointing to Jesus. And these people were excited. They were rejoicing because they've been long waiting for the Messiah to come. That's the, that's the whole Old Testament, that the Messiah is going to come. So now, here comes John. Tell him he's on the way. He's on the way. He's on the way. And guess what? These people were excited. They rejoiced in his light. They were happy to hear what, what John was saying. That's what Jesus is saying. He said they were, they were happy. And, and, and this shows me these people once had light. At one point in time, they were open to truth. They found joy in truth. But now, when what they were looking for came, they were angry with it. And let me say this. They were angry because, <coughs> they were angry because they also had this in their mind. The Bible says that when the Messiah comes, says he was going to be a king. The government was going to be up on his shoulder, and of his kingdom, there would be no end. And the Jews were under Roman oppression. And so they were looking for a king that was going to come in, overthrow the Roman government, and put the Jews back in power. But then here comes Jesus, born in a manger. His daddy, a carpenter. His mother, really just a virgin daughter of somebody that don't nobody even know who her parents were. He wasn't born in the royal family. He wasn't born where he had this power and authority. They didn't understand that he was not talking about a physical kingdom. He was talking about a spiritual kingdom. And they were looking for a messiah that came to establish a physical kingdom. And so when Jesus didn't do this, they were mad. That's why they wanted to kill him because they said this is not the Messiah. And they killed the king of kings and the Lord of lords because he didn't come the way they expected him to. And so my question to you today is, are you angry with Jesus because he didn't do or didn't come or didn't show up how you thought he should? We can be mad with him too. We can be angry with him too. And so it's it's, it is possible for a person to lose the light they once had. They had light when John was on the earth. They had light. They had joy about the truth. And all of a sudden now they have lost it and they are overtaken by darkness. So, and this is the work of the enemy. This is what the devil seeks to do. He seeks to turn you against Jesus for some real or imagined situation. 
or circumstance or to blame God for something that he did or something that he did not do. You know, I look at people and I listen to people and I, I think about people when they say, you know, when storms come, they say God did it. They say God did it. But when I read um, about uh, 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 Elijah, I think it was Elijah, when, when, when uh, Jezebel was going to kill him, and he ran, and, and, and the Bible says that there was a great earthquake and the rock split. There was a great wind and storm, but he said God wasn't in the, rock, in, the, in, in the earthquake. He wasn't in the wind. But then he said there came a still, small voice, and that's what God was. So I wonder sometimes if God, I'm, I'm not saying God is not in control of things and, and, and don't allow things, but sometimes we blame God for things that he really had no part of. And people become angry with him because of something real or imagined. I had a guy on my job that actually told me that he was called to preach. He said, I was a preacher. But he said, when God called me to preach, he said, my wife immediately left me. She said, I have no part of this. I ain't going to have nothing to do with this. And he quit. He quit. He, he gave up preaching. And he, and he left God because of it. Blame God. You know what? I didn't tell him this, but I was thinking this. He might have did you a favor. <laughs> you might better look back and thank him. Anyway, I want you today to know, want you to know the great love of Jesus. That he wants you to be saved. That's his mission. That's his goal. That's why he came. So, because he loves you, he's going to speak the truth to you. And how many folk know the truth? Not easy for us to hear. If you want to offend somebody, you want to make somebody mad, tell them the truth. Bro, Tracy, you look a little funny with them glasses on. See, he ain't coming back. He ain't coming back out of the day. <laughs> but you know what? It's the truth that set us free. Ain't nothing else going to liberate you. There's nothing else that's going to liberate you but the truth. So how then can a person be saved? You got to face the truth about yourself and you got to find out the truth about Jesus. Face the truth about yourself. Find out the truth about Jesus. The first one is the most difficult. Facing the truth about ourselves. Okay. So here's what Jesus started. This is the first thing he told them. Now, he's trying to get these people saved. And so the first thing he told them was, you do not know God. That's the way to win somebody to Christ, isn't it? <laughs> Look at what he said. John 5, 37, he said, the father who sent me has himself borne witness about me. His voice you have never heard. His form you have never seen. Now, you got to think about who he was talking to. These were people who came to worship, involved in ministry, and Jesus said to them, that's just like me walking in church and say, hey, y'all don't know God. You don't know him. But guess what? I'm telling you the truth. Now, let me say this. In every one of our lives, 
we have seen God work in our lives. We know him in areas, don't we? I know, how many folk know God will provide for you? I know him as a provider. How many folk know he'll protect you? How many folk been sick and, and know he'll heal you? How many folk been in bondage to something and know that he'll deliver you? But there are still some areas in our lives where we really don't know God. We really don't know him. Because we have not allowed him to work on us. And, and, I'm, and, and listen, folks, let me say this, like what Marcus said when he stood up here. Hey, I'm not talking about y'all. I'm talking about us. That's some areas in my life that I don't know him. I know he can, but I hadn't experienced it. So that's where he want to save me. In the areas of my life that I don't know God. So when you stand in front of people and Jesus stand in front of people and tell people that worship God, tell people that's in ministry and tell people this, you don't know God. Never heard his voice, never seen his frame. That's a hard saying. And who can bear it? So it is possible to call yourself a Christian when the truth is that you really do not know God. Man, you'll be amazed at the number of people that say they're Christians. I thought about, I, I was reading something, uh, it's been a while ago, but it was telling me, I mean, a great number of people in America consider themselves to be Christians. A great number. But they said the number of people that attend church is a small fraction of those that say they are Christians. So the, the question is, do they really know God? Everybody say they do. But I'm going to tell you, people get offended by the truth. I was at work this week, and this little fellow, me and this other guy was talking. And so this little fellow got in our conversation. And so we got talking about church. And, and you know, I, I said, hey, I said, we all going to go to church. Straight up or flat down. But we're going at some point. And he starts saying, well, you telling me I can't read my Bible at home and know God? I said, you can, you can't. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. But I said, Jesus loves the church. He establishes this is his bride. This is what he loves. So you can't self-save. It's like, you know, people, you know, I want to I self-medicate. You can to a certain point, but at a certain point, you got my help. You're going to have to go get some help. And so he became offended, so offended that he went home and told his mama. And the next day, me and my wife just sitting out there in the car talking, and his mama show up in my yard. Yeah, I, was, I didn't even know who the lady was. I'm like, my wife said, you know her? I said, mm, I don't know who that is. I'm a little leery about letting the window down, opening the door, because I don't know you. So she come up and she give me this religious spiel, and he was offended and so on and so forth. But at the end of the conversation, when I didn't do whatever it is she might have thought I was going to do, she said, don't stop talking to him. Keep talking to him. <laughs> and I said, never mind, to myself. Never mind. It'll be okay. Y'all work it out. 
But I'm telling you, folks will get mad with you simply about the truth. There's a lot of folk not sitting in here today because of the truth. You want to be flattered? You want to be entertained? I'm not your guy. I'm folk, I, I had a lady at work tell me, I went over there, she asked me a question, and I just, she must ask, you're just so straightforward. I don't, I don't think nothing about it. I mean, because that's just what, who I am. That's, I, I do. And I, I, I tell people, I told my manager something. You told him that? Yeah. Was that wrong? I didn't know. I think, I think, we, don't we want to know the truth? We say we do. But do we really want to know it? So, the first one he said, now you do not know God. And the second one he said, God's truth is not in you. Watch this. He said, he said, amen. Oh, yeah. Okay. John 5, 38. He said, you do not have his word abiding in you. Remember he said that in John 15, abide in me and, and I in you and you shall bear much fruit. He said, my word abide in you and you abide in me. You can ask what you will and it will be done unto you. But, okay, so he's saying now the word is not abiding in us. So these leaders, listen now to the people that he's talking to. Now he's talking about people that knew the Bible. In other words, Jewish people, they had to know the first five books of the Bible, not the first Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and they done. No, I'm talking about chapter and verse. They had to know it all. And so he's talking to people that knew the Old Testament scripture and were very familiar with the word of God. And he's telling them the word does not abide in you. And I'm going to tell you something. That's most of our problem. The word does not abide in us. We hear it. We know it. We can quote it. We can say it. We can tell others about it. But the truth of the matter is not in us. Just like I said about the song. We sing the song, we hear the song, we read the words of the song, we say what it say, but the truth of the matter is we really don't believe it. The word is not abiding. That's what Jesus told these leaders. So you hear the truth, but when it touches you, it bounces off you like a, like a, a billiard ball, a pool ball on a pool table. Just hit something and bounce around. Does not go in you. Remember the challenge of the word. The Bible says, Satan comes immediately, Mark chapter 4. The Satan comes immediately for the word's sake. And he talked about some that, where the word was sown on, 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 on in thorny ground. He said, and, and these things, the lust of the world, other things come in and choke the word and it become unfruitful. And he said, some, some of them, it just fall on the wayside. And he said, some, it fall in soil where there's a little bit of soil on top of the ground, but underneath there's rock. So it takes root quickly, but then it dies just as quick because it's that when persecution comes because of the word, they fall away. In other words, I start having trouble. As long as the word brings me the good stuff that it's supposed to bring, I'm good with it. But when it brings me something other than what the good stuff I'm supposed to have, I got a problem with it. Because we've been taught this good God gospel. Good God. That's who James Brown was talking about. Good God. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's what we think it's supposed to be. And so you hear it, but it does not remain in you. No lasting impression 
No lasting change in your life. Man, I can't say enough about that. I can't say enough about people that I've seen for 50 years be knowing the gospel, going to church, sitting in church, praying, reading the Bible, preaching the word, and no change ever comes into their lives. If you just like you were 20 years ago, you need to reevaluate this thing. You need to look back and see if the word is really having an effect, if it's really working. Or is it bouncing off you or rolling off you like water off a duck's back? There should be some change. The third thing he said is you do not believe. You do not believe. And look what he said. John 5, 38, he said, for you, you do not have his word abiding in you. And the word for is like the word therefore. He's telling you why you don't have it. You do not believe the one whom he has sent. In other words, he said, now, he said, now God sent me, and you don't believe me, so therefore the word is not going to have an effect because I am the word, and you don't receive me, so you rejected my word. And the truth of the matter is a lot of times people reject the person that's standing in front of them, and you can't receive nothing from people that you reject. You can't receive nothing. You're not going to get anything. Nothing is going to happen. So he said, you do not believe. And you can see these things in Succession. You see, you say, I, 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 I don't know God. His word don't abide in me. And if his word don't abide, I, how are you going to believe? You can't believe. So he's showing us the problems. Word not abiding. For you do not believe whom he has sent. You don't believe who he sent. These people were rejecting Jesus. So how are they going to believe? How are they going to have the word abiding in them when they reject the one God sent? So why is it that some people who profess to be Christians never seem to grow? They at church every time the church opened. Bible study. They working in the ministry. They working in church. They doing all this stuff. But nothing ever changes. All the folk, they hang around Christians. I'm telling you, go back to my initial statement, what I said about external we think that this is an external exercise and all we got to do is look right, talk right, act right, and people will know we're Christians. And we have been deceived ourselves into believing that that's all we got to do and we're okay. But on the inside, Jesus said, on the outside, you're like white sepulchers. In other words, you're washed up, you're white, you're pretty. But he said, on the inside, you're full of dead men's bones. And all kind of corruption and all kind of junk and garbage. So, if you really start believing and trusting in Jesus, if you were to start looking to, to him to bring change in your life, you, that, and th see, that's the problem. We got to look to Jesus to bring about change in his life. And you were to start believing that he can, and not only that he can, but that he will, then the word will start bouncing. It'll start rolling off of you. Because you're looking to the one that God, the one, the one that God sent. You're looking to the word that God has spoken. It'll remain in you. So, the fourth thing he said to him is this. You are unwilling to come to Jesus. Unwilling to come to him. Now, John 5, 39 through 40, he said, You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. 
And it is they that bear witness about me, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. Jesus, look what Jesus said. Jesus said, Jesus said now y'all read the Bible, y'all understand the Bible, y'all search the scriptures, you know it like the back of your hand, and everything, Old Testament, New Testament, every book in the Bible talk about Jesus. And he said, now, you think that you find eternal life in these words, but these words talk about me, and you won't even come to me. In other words, there's no way that you're ever going to get salvation, change, the word living in you, without coming to Jesus. You got to come to the one that God sent. You got to come to the one that God sent. And Jesus saying these people who once had light, enjoyed the truth, now they have an inner folding of the arms. You know what that means, don't you? In other words, it's like, uh, it's like uh, Andy Griffin. On oh, Andy Griffin, you know, Opus said, I might be sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. In other words, he said, I'm listening to you on the outside, and I'm like this, and I'm, and I'm like I'm paying attention, but on the inside, I'm like this. Man, I ain't thinking about what you're talking about. I'm not hearing nothing that you're saying. He said, you're determined not to come to me. So what kept him from coming to Jesus? He healed a man, and he talked about his relationship with God. Wow. You would think that would draw him, don't you? You would think after they seen this man 38 years sitting beside a pool, that that would draw them to Jesus after, after hearing what he said about himself and his relationship with God. And his, the healing and what he said made sense. Who can heal except God? But they didn't see it that way. So, maybe there's something in your life that caused you to be offended by Jesus. Ask yourself this question. Is it really worth all that you're losing now and all that you're going to lose in the, in the future by being and remaining offended by Jesus? Is it worth it? Think about what you're going to lose. Think about life. Think about eternal life. Think about everything that it's going to cost you. And this is so critical right here. As great as John was, when life became difficult, even John the Baptist began to doubt Jesus. Even John the Baptist. This tells us that dark times comes to the best of God's servants, so don't be surprised. Why do we act so silly when we start having trouble? It comes to the best of us. Look what John said. Matthew eleven three. John sent messengers to Jesus. Are you the one. Who is to come. Or do we need to look for somebody else. This is the same man. That looked up and saw Jesus and said. Behold. The Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. The same man that said, there's coming one after me that's mightier than I, the latchet of whose shoes I'm not worthy to untie. I baptize you with water, but he shall baptize you with the Holy Spirit. This same man that told him to repent, be baptized. Jesus, the Lord is coming. Now he's in prison 
And they're getting ready to cut his head off, and he want to know, are you the one? <laughs> I can't imagine why he has that. <clears throat> he getting get ready to die. And see, that's when we want to know if he's the real one. Is when life gets to be difficult. And these are Jesus, this is Jesus, one of Jesus' replies to him. Blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Blessed is the one who's not offended by me. Not offended by what happens, what comes, what goes, what, who, who comes, who goes, but stays with me and not offended. So whatever he has allowed in your life, if, you, if you're going to fight with Jesus, it's just going to make your pain worse and greater. It's not going to make it better. Back to the story I told you about the man that got mad with God and so on and so forth, you know. Right today, he's struggling to overcome alcoholism. Walk away from Jesus. Be offended by what he asks you to do. Be offended what happened in your life. It makes your pain greater. He's lost jobs. He's lost some of everything. And he only want to come to God when something's wrong. His daughter was about to die. And he came in my office and sat down like a little child. Preacher, tell me something. He wanted me to tell him his daughter was going to live. I said, got the wrong guy. I'm going to tell you the truth. Expect the best, prepare for the worst. But don't, you're not going to get me to say that your daughter's going to live. Now, his daughter did live. We were praying for her. And, 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 and his daughter did live. But I'm not going to tell you that. His, then, then next thing you know, his mama. Stage three, three, stage four cancer. See, I isolate myself from the God that can help me. But then later on, life brings about circumstances where I need him. And now I feel I can't go to him because I'm so distant from him. The fifth thing he told him was, you do not love God. Wow. Wow. Scripture. John 5.42. He said, I know that you do not have the love of God within you. Because Jesus always asks the question, how can you say you love God and you don't love me? How you say you love God and don't love his son? God took it a step further. How can you say you love God who you've never seen and hate your brother who you see daily? So how can you say the love of God abides in you? He said, how can you see your brother suffer and have need and you got what he need and you say, go be filled, be, be, be fed, be warm and don't do nothing to take care of his need? He said, how did the love of God dwell in you? How can you do that? So it's not in you. He said, that's why your heart is hard. And look now, this is, this is critical and it's scary because we congratulate ourselves on all kind of good things that we do. But then we got to ask ourselves, what's the motive? Why do I do it? Why do I do it? Why do I do it? But you don't have the first thing that God requires of you. You do not have the love of God. If you did, your heart would not be hard. Let me say this. If you missed it, you can do, do good things and still have a hard heart. You can do good and still have a hard heart. You can do good and not have the love of God abiding in you. 
Six, you seek the wrong kind of glory. Now, Jesus is trying to get these folks saved, and this is what he's telling them wrong with them. You seek the wrong kind of glory. Now, if I hadn't come to your house yet, I think I'm at the door now. <laughs> I think I have arrived now. I think we're there now. So, this is what he says, John 5, 44. How can you believe when you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? Who are we trying to impress? Who do we want acceptance from? Who do we want to like us? Who do we want to say, that's good? He said, we're looking for glory in the wrong places. We want people to tell us that we're good. Jesus straightened all that out in, in Matthew chapter 7. He said, men will say to me that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not cast out devils in your name? Have we not men done many wonderful works? And they look for Jesus and say, Woo! But Jesus is going to look at them and say, depart from me. I never knew you. You workers of iniquity, ye that did it your own way. He said, I never knew you. So what matters to you is what other people think about the impression you make. We're looking for well done in the wrong place. And let me say this to you. Lie to yourself if you will. Every one of us is looking for well done. I don't care what you say. The little boy wanted his mama to say, the ugliest picture ever seen. Can't even tell what it is. He want mama to say, who, baby? You tell him, baby, that's so pretty. And he just, let me go draw you another one, mama. And you be like, Lord, have mercy. Let me go draw you another one. Because he want to hear you did good. Proud of you. I told this little young man, that same young man, it's amazing how, how I told him the day before how proud of him I was. I said, you're 24 years old. You, you come to work. You do your job. You do a good job. I said, if nobody's ever told you, I said, I'm proud of you. He said, nobody's ever told me. But then the next day, that same Jesus he loved, he was mad with. So, it's Okay. So it's all got to be, okay, baby, pretty hair, yeah, mm -hmm. pretty eyes, yeah, I see you, you do real good. When I tell you what's wrong, then you're mad with me. Anyway, you want to find it in people being impressed with you. How can you believe? How can you believe? Let me tell you something. We got to come to a place and a point in our lives where all we want to hear is Jesus say, well done. If the whole world is mad with me, if the whole world says I'm wrong, if Jesus says I'm good, then that's what I got to live by. Because I'm going to tell you something. We always try to find a way to, to comfort ourselves when people reject us. We're trying to figure out how we can get them trying to prove that what they say is wrong. Forget these folks and seek to please him.
The last one is this. Your hope is misplaced. Your hope is misplaced. Now, look what, look what he said now in John 5, 45. He said, do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one who accuses you, Moses, on whom you have set your hope. Now, that's so amazing. They thought Jesus was going to accuse him to the Father. He said, Moses is the one that's going to accuse you. He said, the one y'all talking about, the one that brought the law, the one that did all this stuff, he's the one that's accusing you. This is what he's saying. People that have set their hope on their own virtue. How good I am. That I can live a life good enough to please God. See, that's what those people thought that actually believed in Moses because they thinking, I can live by the Ten Commandments. I can live a life that's good enough for God. So they set their hopes on the law of Moses and they wanted to re reject Jesus, but they said, he said, Moses is the one that's going to condemn you. Mm -hmm. Moses is the one going to cause you to go to hell because you cannot live a good enough life. You have put your hope in the wrong place. He said, you have put your hope in Trying to live by the law. And all of us do that. I, I guarantee you. I know because I'm human. I'm like you. And this is how we think. We think that when we do good. We're accepted with God. But what is good? You setting the standard for good. So what you thought you did good, you think, oh, man, God is sitting in heaven. Oh, look at my baby down there. Look at him. Look at him. Look at him. He hit a home run. Look at him. Look at him. No. What you consider good, God considers bad. What we consider good, he might consider self-righteous. What we consider good, he may look at as a pride. So don't put your hope. This is what he's telling them. He said, do not put your hope, if you want to be saved, he said, don't put your hope in your own lifestyle. That you can live right enough, you can live good enough. Don't put your confidence in that. He said, that's what, that's what condemned you. And so, he, he reflect back to this story, Mark chapter 10, verse 17. And as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up to him and knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And this, this was Jesus' answer. Jesus laid out some commands. He told him several commands. And the man looked at him and said, All these have I kept from my youth up. What lack I yet? <laughs> Arrogant. He said, I already done that. No, he said like we said, Been there, done that, Jesus. Been there, done that. Got anything else? What else you got? And so when Jesus, when he did that, Jesus, Jesus got him. Jesus got him. Man, he said his hope on Moses. He said his hope on the commandments. He said, I unkept all of them. From my youth up, ever since I've been a boy, you know where you were lying. How many children kept the Ten Commandments? Come on, man. The truth was that he had not kept any of the commandments. You know why he, he hadn't kept any of them? Because he missed the first one. He missed the first one. He hadn't kept any of them because if you don't do the first one, you're not going to do the rest of them. You can't do the rest of them. He said, 
you shall have no other gods before me. And guess what? His life was about him. He was his own God. His hope was misplaced. And see, this, this, and see, look, look how, look how, look how smooth Jesus is. He said, all the commandments I've kept from my youth up, what lack I yet? And Jesus said, hmm, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor. And the Bible says he dropped his head and went away sad. You know why? Because, you know, you know, my wife watch uh, Survivor sometimes. And, and sometimes I'll be sitting there, I'll watch a little bit of it, and they find this idol. And then they pull this idol out so they can, if they try to vote them out, they got this idol that keep them safe. And so what Jesus did, see, he got up there, he thought he, he, thought he, pulled, he pulled out his idol when he told him about, see, all these have kept, I kept from my youth up. What, like I yet? And Jesus said, you got one little idol hid back there. He said, go sell all you got and give it to the poor. He said, you didn't know that I saw deep within your heart that you love money, you love stuff. You want a good life for yourself. He said, so I'm telling you, if you want to follow me, if you want to have this life I'm talking about, get rid of everything you got. And the man dropped his head and walked away because his hope was misplaced. And Jesus let him know, Moses is the one that condemned you, son, not me. So what we got to do? We got to find the truth about Jesus. God has spoken in the scripture. Scripture, hear this good. Scripture is God's word. It's not our word about God, so don't let nobody trick you into that. It's not what men wrote about God. This is God's word to us from him. That's right. Men will try to say that they, this is just what man wrote about. No, this ain't what men wrote about him. This is what he said about himself. It's God's word to us, and this is how we're going to come to know him. Do that. And if you really come to know him, you'll love him. And if you love him, You'll come to Christ who, whom he sent. You'll believe in him. And then your hope will be well placed. And you will seek his glory. All of the stuff that I just named. All of the seven things. If you'll do these things, this is, this is what will happen to you. So the whole of scripture points to Jesus Christ. Amen. Nothing else. 539 again, he said, you search the scripture because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me. He's not, oh, scripture, you looking at the certain one you trying to search through and think you done found the answer in. They're talking about me, buddy, and you won't even come to me. It's all about Jesus. 546 says, for if you believe Moses, you would believe me. Why? Because Moses was talking about me. He was talking about me. So many people who profess to be Christians would say that say they believe in the Bible, but they don't receive it as the very word of God. Let me say this to you. Don't just say it's the Bible. Don't just say this is the Bible. This is God's word to us that he himself spoke to us. It's not a word about God. It's a word from God. And if you're going to move that hardness, you're going to get beyond that hardness in your heart, you've got to humble yourself before God.
This is how we ought to pray. And we got to open it with an honest recognition of our true position. You got to be honest with God. You got to be honest with God. I'm going to tell you something. This week, this week, several times this week, y'all, I don't know whether y'all watched the Tyler Perry movie, I Can Do Bad All By Myself. And the lady realized who the man was, and she was in, in the house, and all of a sudden she heard this song. Oh, Lord, I need you to help me. Man, I'm going to tell you what. That song became my testimony this week. I need you to help me. I need you to help me. And I listened to one of them songs today. And, 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 and this is what I thought. This is what I thought. I need God to reset me for the, for the days to come. I need a reset. I need a reset for the days to come. I need some revived strength and revived energy. I need some help. I don't know whether y'all do or not. But I'm telling you, I feel it in my bones. And I ain't talking about like what, Jer what uh, 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 Jeremiah was talking about. I ain't talking about fire shit up in my bones. I'm talking about pain in them. I need a reset. So we got to come before God with an honest heart. We got to be honest and humble before him. So I need you to make yourself known to me. Through your word. This is what we need to ask him. I need you to make yourself known to me through your word. Lord. The truth is not in me. Whatever that truth is. I'm not telling you that you don't have any truth in you. But I'm saying there's areas in your life. Where that you may not have the truth that you need. To make it through the situation that you're going through. The truth is not in me. Teach me through your word. Lord I don't have the faith. I need you to give me faith through your word. This is how we got to come to Jesus. The inclination of my heart is to turn from you. Create a new desire in me through your word. You remember last week what I told y'all, that what Jesus commands, he's going to have to make it happen in us. If he tell me, if he tell me to love him with all my heart, he got to do it. He's got to do it. He got to help me. Lord, I do not have your love in my heart. Show me the love of Christ. Pour that out. Pour out that love into my heart by your Holy Spirit. Lord, I've been seeking the wrong kind of glory. And I'm going to tell you something. I can pray that honestly. Most of us have been seeking to be accepted by people. Loved by men. Wanted by people. Want what people think about us to be good. So create within me a new heart that seeks the glory that comes from you alone. Lord. I put my hope in the wrong places. Lead me to the hope that will not be put to shame. Lead me to the hope that won't be put to shame. And we got to face the truth about ourselves. Got to find the truth about Jesus. And Jesus said, if I do these things, I can be saved. There ain't nothing he can't save you from. There's nothing he can't liberate and deliver you from. But you got to come to him honestly. You got to face yourself. You got to face the truth about you. You got to stop lying to you. You got to stop flattering you. You got to stop trying to find people that accept you so you feel good about yourself when you know that you're not good as you try to pretend to be. I'm not. I've asked, I'm asking God to help me. I'm asking him to help me. Help me. And I'm telling you, 
If you don't remember anything else, remember John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branch, and without me you can do nothing. I am nothing. Remember this. I am nothing, I have nothing, and I can do nothing. If you can remember them three things, I have nothing, I am nothing, and I can do nothing. I don't own nothing. What do you own, Ravik? Nothing. If you own that place you lived in, when you die, you take it with you. But you're going to leave it here. So you don't own it. If you own the money you got in the bank, when you leave, man, you take it with you. That's right. He ain't taking nothing away with you. I heard, I heard a story about a, man, a lady said this. Say her husband told him when, she, when he died, she, he wanted her to put all his money in the casket with him. And so she, she got smart. She wrote a check. Put it in there. So when, whenever he get where he going, let him cast that check. All the money staying here. <laughs> so, so knowing that you want all your money to go with you, I'll write a check, put it in the casket. So when you get wherever you're going, you can cast that check. But all that cash going to stay here with me. <laughs> Face the truth about yourself. Find the truth about Jesus. And Jesus said, when you do, he said, you'll be saved. Not just saved, salvation, not just eternal life, but all of life. Saved from stuff that you've been went through, dealt with, been going through, hurts, rejections, abuse. We can be saved from it. And I'm going to tell you, I need him to save me. I need him to save me. Let us pray. Lord, we bless you. We praise you. We thank you. We honor you, Lord God. Thank you. Thank you for coming to this world to save us. To save us. To save us. Not just to save us from eternal destruction and damnation and judgment. But to save us now, right here, right now, where we live. To save us from things that we've been told and taught wrong. Things we've seen that were wrong that's become a part of us. Generational curses that's been passed down to us. Abuse. Rejection. All kind of things that have happened to us that cause us not to be like you. You can save us from it. So Lord, we're coming to you honestly, sincerely asking you. In whatever area that is that you are experiencing a non-salvation, ask Jesus to save you. I know where he needs to save me. Do you know where he needs to save you? There's something that's holding you back. There's a mindset, whatever it is. Come humbly to Jesus and ask him. Lord Jesus, save me, save me, save me, save me. And when you realize and understand how much he loves you, when you're willing to come to him humbly, the word of God will enter into your heart, break the hardness, place in you a heart of flesh, And bring about a change in your life. 
And Lord, I thank you and I praise you. I worship you and honor you for doing it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard, make sure to subscribe and share with somebody you know. And tune in next week for more sermons from Truth and Love Ministries Church.